Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. It's Wednesday night, or if you're listening to this on the Sports Plus podcast uh, sometime in the week, I'm Corey Miller here with 500 Side Sports Director Frank Cusimano talking some sports, and uh, it's another week. we got a lot of Cardinals stuff to talk about again, thankfully. Uh, I know everybody's been missing it. The Cardinals are getting ready. Uh, some players have already been back working out a little bit. First team workout is Friday. Uh, we're getting close, and Frank, you got an update on the schedule uh, today, actually, we know who's coming to town for opening day. Yes, it'll be the team you'd like to open up against on opening day, the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, I'm excited about it. It'll be Jack Flaherty on the mound. I'm absolutely certain of that. And, you know, uh, when I talked with Mike Schilt earlier today, I threw the idea of, you know, the joint starters where you'd have somebody with contrasting ability, maybe like an Austin Gomber that will pitch with Jack Flaherty maybe like an Alex Reyes that would pitch for, with Adam Wainwright. Well, he kind of poo-pooed that idea right away, Corey. Um, he says, look, Jack has been up and down a lot here. And what he meant was he's been pitching a lot, and so is Wainwright. And he doesn't think they're going to have to go into a game with joint starters. He thinks some of these guys are going to be able to go you know, quite a few innings right from the get-go. And I was reading, and I Schilt might have said this today too, I think they're still planning on just a five-man rotation. Uh, so, yeah, they're planning on everybody being ready to go and not having to extend that to maybe a six-man. Yeah, you know, they have like five starters. They have five guys who could start, and then they got five or six really good guys out of the bullpen. So, I mean, you're going to have guys like Ponce de Leon and Austin Gomber and Kim, you know, guys, John Gant, guys who could be starters that could, you know, really uh, give you multiple innings. I, I just, it's a 16, I think it's going to be 16 people on the pitching staff, maybe 15, but I couldn't be more excited about the depth of this pitching staff. We did learn today that Jordan Hicks will not be on the pitching staff, at least to open the season. Mike Schilt told you, going to push it back a little bit well not really push it back because uh he's he still needs some time to get ready and he's not even I think just maybe a year out from the surgery so not pushing it back he will be with the team but it's not right from the top yeah and I'm sure you've seen the video that's come across on social media he looks like he's in great shape it looks like he's throwing pain-free but as uh, Mike mentioned to me today, he has not, you know, really thrown any sliders. I don't think they're going to push it. I think Ryan Helsley will probably be a, you know, or a Gallegos. They have some options that can close out games because they won't need Helsley to start. So uh, we're going to see him pitch this season, but it just won't be from the get-go. I think his surgery last year was late June, and he basically said, you know, we didn't have it in our, you know, time capsule that he was going to pitch you know, on July 24th. If you're just turning in live, uh, I'm Corey Miller here with Frank Cusimani. We got a question or a comment, drop it below. I'll try uh, to get to it. So we just talked ticks and pitching depth. The other thing that really fascinates me, and you asked Mike Schilt this today in your interview, uh, how short of a leash are some of these guys like Matt Carpenter, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler's, going to have in a 60 game season because we know Mike Schilt loves to roll with his veterans love to roll with his guys and give them a chance but in a 60 game season you just can't really do that no and they have other options too 
I mean, I think there's probably all three outfielders are on a short leash, and I think Matt Carpenter's on a short Carpenter, leash. Harrison Bader. Uh, the rest of them, yeah. I think the rest of them, like DeYoung and Wong and Goldschmidt, who's a historically slow starter, will get a chance, and Yachty. But if, like, if Matt Carpenter got off to a really rough start, then you would play Tommy Edmond at third and have Ravello, you know, as your DH, you know, against lefties. Or, you know, if if Tyler O'Neill gets off to a slow start, who knows? Maybe it's Dylan Carlson. So, I mean, you got some options. Talking with uh, Ben Fredrickson from STL today, the other day, and he put it this way. If a guy has a bad game... That's like having three bad games. If a guy has three bad games, that's a week of having bad games in this condensed format. So there's really no room to let guys work it out through 100 at-bats, 150, 200 at-bats like there would be in a normal season. Let's see. Yeah, it's a, it's a great stat. I mean, it's, it's every 2.7 games. That's what 60 games means. It means 2.7 games. So you're right. If you have three bad games, <laughs> you know, that's the equivalent of a lot of games, a lot of bad games. Yeah. John on Facebook asking, how is the postseason going to work? Will there be multiple one and outs? Well, actually, uh, the postseason is exactly the same as it has been. That was not part of the rule changes. There's going to be a division champ and then two wild cards, same as uh, the last the last few postseasons we've seen for a few years now. So no changes to the postseason. The Cardinals still only vying for – one of three spots, I guess, technically, with the division and two wild cards. Let's see what else we got. Yeah, and the advantage the Cardinals have uh, in this schedule, too, Corey. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the advantage the Cardinals have is, you know, let's face it, uh, with the exception of the Minnesota Twins, the American League Central is really bad. Um you have a central division in the National League where only the Reds really improve themselves. You could make a case for the Brewers and the Cubs taking a step back. So I think the Cardinals are just in the right division to win some games right away. Definitely. There are multiple teams they're going to be playing this year who are actively not trying to win, uh, if you want to put it that way. The Tigers and Royals, I really don't think, have any interest. Well, individual players do, but as a franchise philosophy, it doesn't really matter to them because they're not supposed to compete this year anyway. And uh, like you said, the NL Central teams, other than Cincinnati, I think have all taken a step backwards. So the Cardinals can make some, hey, one of those opponents, um, definitely going to be the Chicago White Sox. And we got some fun news today. Uh, AP confirmed it, uh, and you were on this early as well. The Cardinals are going to Iowa to play the White Sox in the Field of Dreams game, which should be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I don't know uh, in terms of what the fan situation will be, and I don't know how many St. Louisans will actually get to experience. I've never been there myself. But just being at home and watching that game at that incredible field is going to be absolutely fascinating. And I'm glad, you know, because – you're only the East is playing the East central playing the central. It worked out well because the Yankees had to withdraw from the game and it looks like it's going to be the Cardinals, which is awesome. It'll be a pretty cool site. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, what else from your, your interview? Cause you got a one-on-one -on -one with Shield. You guys talked for a while. Is there anything else that really stood out to you when you guys uh, were talking? He's, 
he's definitely rearing to go. Uh, he's a baseball junkie like a lot of us, and he's just happy to have it back. He made that clear. But is there anything else that stood out to you? Well, a couple things. You know, and I, we've mentioned this before, but he went into great detail about this, about the familiarity of a short season. He was a coach in Class A ball for eight years. Then he was a manager in Class A ball for three more years. And they did a whole lot of winning. So if anybody knows something about a 60-game sprint or a 70-game sprint or ever, however how many he managed, it's Mike Schilt. He also brought up the whole dichotomy of how is a team supposed to remain close if there's social distancing? And he said he's had some great conversations with Yadier Molina about that. So, uh, And I asked him, too, about if players are taken out of the game, are they allowed to be in the dugout or are they in the stands? And he said, you know what? Frankly, I don't know the rules, and I don't think anybody knows yet. So he's learning, as, as we do, about all these specific new rules in this weird season. It's going to be uh, it's gonna look weird for sure. I think weird is the best way we can put it right now. Chuck on Facebook asking, uh, where will the games be broadcast? Well, as, as far as I know, it's going to be like a normal season. Fox Sports Midwest, ESPN, uh, MLB Network, things of that nature. So... Uh, every game is going to be different, just like the normal regular season. We we don't have a full schedule quite yet, but I think that's supposed to be coming uh, next week. Let's get to some other uh, news. Frank, you actually broke today. That's pretty exciting. The greatest golfer in history is coming to St. Louis this fall, and he's going to play in a pretty cool grouping. Uh, tell us about that a little bit. Well, um, it's really a uh, magnificent golf tournament in the St. Louis area. It's going to take place at Norwood Hills. And uh, the really cool thing about it is, um, as this Ascension Charity Golf Classic is about to begin, either that Wednesday or that Thursday, they're going to kick it off with Jack Nicklaus, um, the man with 18 majors and arguably the greatest golfer of all time, playing in a celebrity challenge with uh, Ozzie Smith and, his, and, and Ozzie's agent Debbie Demler confirmed that with me today. And Brett Hall, who told me uh, about a week ago he was going to play, they're going to get one other legend to play in this group. You know, the, the name Tom Watson has been thrown out, you know, multiple major champion winner, but he's had some surgery. And also Hale Irwin, the pride of St. Louis and a three-time U.S. Open champion, he may be in the mix. But the bottom line is you have Jack Nicklaus, Corey, uh, playing golf on Lucas and Hunt. All right, Jack Nicholas playing golf at Norwood Hills. Uh, I, I'm going to be really excited about the tournament because, you know, you've got people like Ernie Els who are turning 50. Uh, you have Phil Mickelson who's turning 50. I don't know who's going to play. They're going to have a good field. But the fact that Jack Nicholas is going to be a part of the festivities is just insane. I just love it. I texted you this question. I don't know if you had time to think about it. I don't want to put you on the spot. Who would be your dream sports golf uh, a foursome group okay well my three favorite athletes of all time are larry bird who does play a lot of golf as we heard from michael jordan in the uh, in the last <laughs> dance in a very fun way uh reggie jackson who i know can hit a golf ball a, a mile away and then joe namath if i got those foursome i, I got those three in my foursome i'd be the happiest guy on the planet earth how about you what's your foursome that's that's pretty good. I'd uh, 
I always thought it would be Michael Jordan, but then after watching The Last Dance, um, it's definitely Michael Jordan. He's in there. Whatever I got to do, he's number one. I want to be on the golf course with him. I don't think I'd make a whole lot of money, and I'd probably have to take out a loan, uh, but I definitely want to be out there with Michael Jordan. Oh, I don't know who else. Uh, it'd be cool to see Tiger play up close, so I'd probably go Tiger. Oh, yeah. Um... Uh, hey, John more. Smoltz, maybe. I'll go John Smoltz. I'll go John Ooh, Smoltz yeah. for my other one because he's pretty good, and I'd like to see. I'd like to see him out on the course too because I think he tried. Did he ever play on uh, the Champions Tour, or he tried making a few cuts or something like that? Yeah, he has played in professional events. I don't think it's gone well. And you know, ironically, Brett's a terrific golfer, <laughs> and he played in an event here in St. Louis once at the equivalent of the uh, like the Hooters Tour. And I, he finished like almost dead last. And he's a great golfer. There's just a fine line between playing golf with your buddies and then teeing it up for real against guys trying to make a living. It's, there's a whole different kind of pressure. And granted, Brett Hall has played sports at a high, at a high level with immense pressure. But w when you're playing a different sport, it's a whole different ballgame. Uh, we saw that with Tom Brady the, a few weeks ago. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Oh. Yeah, I, I promise you, Corey, if Tom Brady played the next day and he had his driver in his hands for 14 tee shots, 14 where he had his driver, he probably would have hit eight fairways. Okay? But that day, I don't. did he hit one fairway? I don't know if he did. It was crazy. It didn't seem like it for sure. He had that one miracle shot, split his pants, <laughs> That was, that's what I remember about his day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and he had, had that great shot, and then he had a great putt, too. But he was just jittery, and he just had no tempo. And you know, I, I see him hit balls with Peyton Manning on Peyton's place, and he's got a beautiful swing. He's probably like a six or a seven handicap, maybe eight. You know, it was crazy to see how rough that was for him. Last thing here this week, uh, we got another countdown. Doing the worst trades in St. Louis history after last week doing the best trades. And uh, I don't know, I kind of like talking about these more than the best trades because there's a lot of, you just go back and think, oh, what could have been if Jerome Bettis was a Ram for the rest of his career? How would have how would that have turned out? Marshall Falk probably never comes here. Just a lot of what ifs. Uh, which, which one of these trades really sticks out to you? Um, well, I think that the one, one today was kind of interesting. I mean, Jerry Royce wanted to make $25,000 a year, and he was making seventeen. So they trade him for Scipio Spinks and some other guy who never won a game. This is the pride of Rittner High School. And by the way, you, have a, you had a still photo of him today. I didn't realize he went to SIU Carbondale. Or was it SIU Edwardsville? You had him in an SIU well, shirt, I saw that. which is crazy. I didn't... I didn't even know if he went to college. Yeah, that was. Um, I, he, I don't think he did, look. but I found that I, okay, I found that, was... that uh, picture. I found that picture on AP. I don't know if somebody gave that to him or or what, but yeah, that was him hanging yeah, out. Been... Uh, oh, he went to the University of. He went to California Santa Barbara, and he went to the University of Central Missouri according to his baseball reference page. But, yeah, he was hanging out in an SIU sweater at spring training with Joe Torrey and a few guys, I think. 
Yeah, that was crazy. You know, Corey, um, we're going to hear one. I'm sure I'm not giving it away because everybody knows it has to be on the list. But Steve Carlton was another salary dump uh, by by the Cardinals. I mean, Steve Carlton, who struck out 4,000, won four Cy Youngs, and they quibble over maybe six, $8,000. It's insane. I, I think a lot of people think that's the number one, the worst trade ever. But I decided against it, and you'll see my reasoning on Friday because it, it didn't work out that way. That's a good tease. Uh, but I will say, looking back, there aren't a whole lot of misses. I mean, obviously there are misses and a couple of big ones. But overall, the teams here seem to have made pretty good trades if you're looking at everything as a whole. There's not – Steve Carlton is the only one that I'm thinking of that where they got rid of a Hall of Famer. Or Jerome Bettis, too. Yeah, uh, Dave Butts is not quite in the NFL Hall of Fame, but he's in the Redskins Hall of Fame and made the All-Decade team. That was pretty brutal. Stronger, but oh, he was Joey already Rowan. here for a while and, and managed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Joey Mullen, I, I keep looking. I, I kept going over his numbers. He had 40 goal seasons with the Blues. I don't know how in the heck you trade Joey Mullen, who when he retired <laughs> – was had more points than any American-born player in the history of the National Hockey League. So there have been some busts, but I tell you what, since Doug Armstrong has taken over, since John Mozeliak has taken over, there have been a lot of unbelievable trades. Although I think Walt Jockety may hold the record for most great trades, if you count Edmonds, McGuire, Wainwright, Roland. I mean, he was just on a freaking roll. I will say I do like uh, you kind of going off on Big uh, big Red this week a few times. <laughs> Just how bad was the front office back then? Oh, my goodness. I mean, they trade Ahmad Rashad with nearly 500 catches for a backup quarterback. They traded John Gilliam for Gary Quazzo, another backup quarterback. Uh, and then, you know, e- even on that butts thing, they got three draft choices for him. I'm sure they blew every one of them, you know. They were terrible at drafting. <laughs> all right everybody thanks for tuning in this week if you're watching live or listening on the sports plus podcast uh, we'll be back next week hopefully we'll have a schedule to talk about and some more baseball stuff that's coming out every day starting to get excited we're getting closer to live sports thanks for tuning in everybody be safe